and you know i was going crazy i got cleared all that and then i'm gonna say within like three to four weeks i re re-snapped it again the same side no and i was i was just sitting there crying like, so pissed off like why do i why am i going through all this pain like all i'm doing is working hard i'm doing things right um and so for me like when that had happened i was like i said sophomore year and i was about halfway through college and you know i said earlier i had about a 273 gpa cumulative and i was like I was, I was impressed dude. my coach was trying to push me out of the school he was like you know you should consider transferring because you're not going to play here really not, yeah he, he told me he said he said i can promise you you will not play a single down here at the university of washington I'm here today with Michael Neal. He's a former UW football player. What position do you play? Uh, tight end. Tight end. Yep. And big tight end out here. But <laughs> um, Michael and I first met at the Pac-12 SALT conference, which stands for Student Athlete Leadership Team. And we were actually roommates, both being the representatives of the student athletes of our respective institutions were you nervous in that room? Every AD in the Pac-12 in there? I wasn't nervous at all, man. I, like, really? Honestly, yeah, dude, because I don't know. I got, I got some backbone, man. When I feel like it, I wouldn't be doing my due, my due diligence if I didn't speak up for everybody I know that's complaining about the same thing. Mm. Like I said, I came in there saying I'm the voice of everybody at my institution, and I'm also with these other people who may be feeling the same thing. Maybe they don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> I'm for sure going to talk about it. And that's the thing, too, is like – um. I was just like, we are literally the one person of each Pac-12 school represented. So we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. We all have our different passions. So why not? Why not talk about my own thing? Why not talk about uh, why I'm unique? Like, so show why I'm why I'm unique. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we're definitely gonna get into all of that. Yeah, yeah. But where are you from, man? From uh, Southern California, born in the LA. Uh, but I'm really from Fontana, California. Okay. It's like a 45 to an hour northeast of LA. So cool. Suburbs. And so what was life like growing up for you? Uh, for me, so I have, well, at the time I had one brother and two sisters. Now I have two brothers, two sisters. Um, but for me, I was really just a knucklehead, man. Like not getting trouble, like super like bad things over the top, but just things like, um, like in high school, I'll be on my phone, uh, after hours or having social media. My parents didn't want us having social media. So I always get my phone taken away, man. <laughs> it's mm. some dumb stuff. Um, but for me, I was really just like always a hard worker. I can say that for I was always a hard worker, always super competitive. Um, did not care about school all my life. I did not care about school whatsoever. I would uh, last time I had good grades um, until I got into college was uh, elementary school, and I had like some like three A's, three B's, and my parents were like taken away. But really? for my, yeah, but for my brother, my younger brother, who's playing UNLV football right now. Uh, he uh, would always get good grades, so it's expected. But for me, when I did even like semi good, they'd be like, "Oh, there you go, good job, like mm-hmm. whatever." Um, but yeah, dude, <laughs> growing up, I, I was a knucklehead, wasn't trying in school, and then yeah, I just kept getting in trouble. How different was life for you at UW compared to where you grew up? Um, I guess the one thing you could say is that it was definitely less diverse, especially because I'm in Seattle. I'm at a, a uh, what you call PWI, predominantly white institute, um, being at UW and seeing a whole bunch of like um, people from, who are from like out of the country, all just like sitting around your classroom, speaking different languages and 
talking about things I have no, never heard of before in my life. Mm. Um, and it was definitely getting out of my comfort zone, man. Um, just kind of touching up. Like I said, you know, high school for me, I wasn't trying in school. So I actually graduated high school with a 2.96 GPA. Um, and in football, he needs a 2.5 to be eligible, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> funny enough, uh, I actually I took the SAT. I didn't even study for it because <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have a good enough GPA. So no matter what my scores, I'll do good. So I got like a 12.50 which is like isn't good but i was like i'm gonna get in so it doesn't matter yeah but anyways i got to college and i found out like you know UW's a really good school i didn't know jack about UW, dude like, i just really? knew, oh i got a scholarship to UW, cool whatever once i found out more i'm like oh this is like a really good university i was like what the heck and then i found out the requirements to get in you need like a 3.8 gpa to be considered competitive and i'm like so i got in here with a 2.9 and people are sitting around me all had three eights mm. or above and so i'm like yeah i can't succeed here how'd so, that make you feel uh, dude, for me, I was just like, I think I over, um, not overhyped, but I guess I just like made it harder than what it was. I like said like, oh man, it's so complicated when it's just, okay, you just got to apply yourself more. Um, so like in classroom, I'd be in the back of the class with some of my teammates, just messing around uh, on my phone, looking at girls walk by making comments, like just doing dumb stuff, you know, stuff that you hear about the stere- stereotypical athlete doing. Um, and I was playing right into that stereotype. Um. So, yeah, I, you know, for me in school, my grades were, like, crap. They were uh-huh. crap. I I had a, a up until halfway through my sophomore year, I had a 2.73 cumulative GPA, and I was just barely staying eligible to play. So, how did you start playing football? How did I start playing? Yeah. I started playing football in high school. Oh, actually, no, in, in middle school. I was uh, to say, high school's pretty late. Well, I started playing tackle football in high school. Okay. Freshman year. But I started playing in general. In middle school, you know, like the Nerf football, just throw it around the playground, whatever, me yeah. and my friends. So I literally only got into football because one of my good friends who I kind of looked up to, I thought, oh, man, he's super athletic. He's cool. He plays football. I want to play too. Um, I ended up just joining the football team with him. And then I ended up being, like, really good before we put pads on. <laughs> when we were, like, throwing the ball around, catching one-handers, all this, like, crazy catches. Really? Yeah. The first day we put pads on, I, like, tried to do a crazy catch going across the middle and got hit in the stomach. I said, ooh, I was like, I don't want to play football. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to play football, dude. Like, that's when I was like, okay, this is how the sport's really played, right? So mm-hmm. it was uh, really always uh, me growing. I'd, I'd say I'm a late bloomer with football for sure. So what kept you coming back to the sport after you took that big hit? Honestly, being around my friends, I just grew to kind of love it. And you get used to it, right? Um, I mean, I just learned not to like catch a ball and have my whole body exposed to get smacked like that, but mm-hmm. more to catch it and then brace for a hit. If you're about to go across the middle and someone's right there. Mm. Um, so I always learn through like um, trial and errors, stuff like that. But honestly, man, like, and now that I'm thinking about it, since we're like going that far back, I would be, I was doubted a lot. I was, people were talking crap about me all the time. Really? They're just like, man, like he's soft. Like, dude, just don't play, t- uh, or don't play receiver, play defensive end, whatever. Like you don't have hands, this, that, and the third. And, I was just, like, determined to, like, prove them wrong. So, I was like, nah, man, I could do this. Like, even when everybody around me was saying, nah, nah, dude, you should just stop playing or go play a different position. I'm like, nah, I know I can do this. Really? So, yeah, so I literally, dude, I, like, my my worth ethic is, like, what I, I would consider to be unorthodox, dude. Like, I, I trained as if I was an All-American. Um, and all it took was for me to get around the right people, so... You know, I got in uh, with a professional or a personal trainer um, with this uh, sport or this group called Rare Breed. Dude got me right. Um, after my junior year, I was doing that training all summer. Dude, I got so much better and uh, came back and then 
that's when I got my offer from UW. And fun fact, I actually had one offer. <laughs> it was the UW, man. Kinda that's crazy. all you need, though. It really is. Yeah, it's crazy. That summer when you started training, uh-huh. trying to prove everyone wrong, mm-hmm. what were you thinking about during your workouts to push through the pain? I was thinking about that I'm meant to do great things in this world. And at the time, I was thinking that that great thing was only through football. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm not going to be average. I refuse to. Like, I'm not going to leave this planet and just be your average Joe who just walked around doing whatever, whatever, and just got by. Like, I want to be like part of like people who are like up there in the one percentage and stuff like that. So, so you struggled with school your whole yeah. life, didn't care. Yeah. At what point did you start caring in college? You know, um, just to kind of back backtrack that a little bit, um, I was getting injured, dude. Um, really yeah like i had a like i said i'm i'm a, I'm a workhorse my mom told me there's two types of people there's a workhorse and there's thoroughbreds thoroughbreds mm-hmm. are people who are naturally gifted and then there are and then workhorse are people who have to work for everything they get so i had to create my own uh success i don't i don't just have this natural talent only thing i guess would be natural talent is my my work ethic mm-hmm. um and so for me uh coming in there i was always working my butt off doing doing extras um and you know, my coach, when he had first registered me, like, all right, bet, I'm just going to get bigger, stronger, work on certain things, come back, play. Next year, I broke my ankle in practice, non-contact, broke my ankle. Um, and apparently, it was from a lack of calcium. <laughs> and, you know, because there's no sun out here, so that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. And then um, I got back recovered, and, you know, I was going crazy. I got cleared all that. And then I'm going to say within, like, three to four weeks, I re resnapped it again, the same side. No. And I was, I was just sitting there crying, like, so pissed off, like, why do I – why am I going through all this pain? Like, all I'm doing is working hard. I'm doing things right. Um, and so for me, like, when that had happened, I was, like I said, sophomore year, and I was about halfway through college. And, you know, I said earlier, I had about a 2.73 GPA cumulative. And I was like, I was, I was impressed, dude. My coach was trying to push me out of the school. He was like, you know, you should just consider transferring because you're not going to play here. Really? Not, yeah, he, he told me, he said, he said, I can promise you, we're not play a single down here at the University of Washington. Um, no way. And so he said, you should, you, you should just leave. Cause they can't, they can't literally take a call, your scholarship anymore. Yeah. But they can like try to mentally get you to where they make you leave, and, like you don't want to be there. So Wait. I was going through that thing the whole time. Bro. Wait, walk me through that day. Yeah, when he said that to you. Um, I was on a scooter with my <laughs> my foot in a little boot thing. Is this winter time? Fall? Uh, I can't recall when it was, but it was definitely it was two years ago though too. Okay, okay. Uh, but I had probably been out of surgery for like a week or two. Yeah. And he told me he wanted to meet with me, and so I went to my coach's office. And um, we were just talking, and I already know he's gonna say some BS because he's like, "Oh yeah, he has a family." I'm like, "Dude, like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> like, you're not, you don't, you don't like, you care. don't care about my family. You, you man. do not care. It's just this must be some kind of like technique to talk to you in school or something." Uh huh. <laughs> um, but he's like, "Yeah, man, you know, I really think you should you should uh, consider transferring because you know you're not gonna play. You're a single down at the University of Washington. The way like right now, you're not gonna play." Head and coach. No, this is my position coach. Okay, okay. And so... And this is your second year. So you redshirt your first year. Mm-hmm. They're like, here, get strong. Here's a redshirt. Yeah. We're going to play you. And then you get injured. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no hope, no faith anymore. Yeah, bro. And the thing is, I was already down because I re-snapped it. And so I was already in a bad place. So he just added to it. And mm-hmm. so I went back and I was just bawling, dude. Let's cry to my mom. And I was hurt, bro. It, it's kind of hard. I, I hate thinking back to all that stuff, but... It, I think it's something I got to remind myself of sometimes, like whenever I'm like in a situation, like, bro, you went through all this stuff. That's why I've been able to do all these, all these things. But, um, when that happened, uh, <clears throat> I had a sort of a, a self reflect, kind of like a self eval looking at myself and like how I've been doing things up to that point. And I was like, man, what's wrong with me? Like 
I have a full ride scholarship at one of the top universities in the country, um, and I'm just pissing away my scholarship. I said, like, what am I doing? Like, and I just started looking at everything like holistically, and I'm like, I need to take advantage of this. And I was like, and I was telling myself at first, like speaking negative thoughts. I'm like, oh, dude, you you have you never you never studied a day in your life. Like, you don't know how to study. You know what studying looks like. You don't know what it takes to be a effective studier. And I just said, you know what, my mom, my mom always said I'm a workhorse, and I'm I'm always been someone that works hard, and I just put all that energy into football. So I'm like, why don't I put that into my schooling? And wow. so, at, but also, I also knew that was the thing that people did was they would be like, ah, oh, football's not working out or whatever sports not working out. So I'm gonna just put it all into school. No, I said I'm gonna give my all in football still, even though my coach said whatever, and I'm, then I'm also give my all in football or in, in school. Because I want to be two-dimensional, not one-dimensional. I want to be versatile. I don't want to just be oh, stereotypical, this, this, and this. And, you know, that's what kind of got me so far. It's like I just always push. I always try to push uh, the envelope more and, like, push myself to see what I, what else I can do. So, you know, that actually all that pain I went through actually ended up helping me do. So, um, yeah, bro, like that. And then there's also another example. When I was, I was taking the accounting class, and I hadn't done math um, since high school. And I was a, a junior um, at that point. Um, and it was funny, like my first, we take, we have about five, we have, uh, three quizzes and two tests, the midterm and the final. And, uh, my first two quizzes I had got like a, like a C, like basically I was getting, I was getting like fifties and forties and stuff like that. And I was like, dang, like, but I was like being optimistic, right? Switching it up, whatever I had to do to like switch it up. Um, and then my friends, um, my uh, academic advisor, all of them were saying, you know, you should consider SNS in the class. So, like, you know what SNS is? Or? No. So, it's, like, basically... Um, <clears throat> it's, like, if you have pass, two, no pass? It's basically... So, if you have at least a 2.0, you can drop... You can uh, write that class off. But okay. it won't count for anything. Okay. But I, it basically it drops the class, so it doesn't affect your GPA. Yeah. Um, And they're saying I should do that, and I've never SNS before in my life. And, oh, I guess this is my philosophy. Uh, if I start something, I'm going to finish it, period. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't start and then stop. If I started doing it, I'm gonna go through to to the end. Wow. So because I I'm not I don't give up on things. So, um. So, so everyone's doubting you again. They yeah they were yeah do that. Well, not doubters like they were on some like oh you know based on the trend and how it works for everybody else you should consider doing. I strongly recommend you doing this. I'm like nah bro I started I'm gonna finish it period I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I just said I just gotta work harder get more help from the teacher whatever go to office hours. Came in my third quiz I got one of the highest grades I got like a 93 or something like that and then on my Midterm in my final, I got above the class the class average, so I ended up finishing with a three one when I should have finished with a one point three. So wow. just because me being persistent and telling myself I could do that, being um, positive, give myself positive affirmations instead of telling myself well, I can't do something. That's the biggest thing I learned about this whole system. It's not about if you're smart enough; it's about if you believe you can do it. Wow. It does not matter. Like this whole oh, you need a three point eight GPA to, to be able because we feel like these students are the ones that are going to succeed. No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's all about your mindset, bro, and it. That stuff is so like corny to me, but at the same time, it really isn't because once I did it for myself, it really works. And like, I'd have these good, these good ass grades, and she's like, "Dang!" Like because usually you have to meet with your academic advisor like once or, or twice a week or whatever. Yeah. It got to a point where she didn't even meet with me. I just went in there to talk to her or get uh-huh. her advice about something. Just you know, ch- chop it up. That's it. Um, but it's because I built that relationship and I built that that sort of trust. Because in football, I required to meet with our academic advisor, but they saw I was yeah. on top of my stuff. Like mm. I didn't need someone to tell me what to do. It's like I held my own, my, my own self accountable to do what I said I was going to do. Why so, do they make you meet with your academic advisor in football? Because, bro, like 
it's a stereotype, and it actually they they play into the stereotype a lot of times. It's like they don't try in school. They're like I said, playing in the back of the classroom on their phone. You know, not not taking stuff serious. And I'm yeah. like, um, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not part of that. Like they have a track record of that, but I'm like, I'm not gonna be like that. I was, but I said I'm gonna change this. Like I put this, um, this thing on my back. This burden, not burden, but responsibility on myself mm. to say. I'm going to change this narrative no matter what it takes. I'm not going to let every time you look at a black student athlete or student athlete in general, you think, oh, yeah, they're just going to, you know, oh, yeah, uh, I didn't get my part of the project done. Can you just do it? I'll pay you to, do, I'll pay you to write my paper. Like, no, nah, I'm going to do my stuff, and I'm not only going to get it done, but I'm going to do it in a way that's like, oh, this dude's about his business. And I'll tell you this, too. I was in a marketing class, right? Um, <clears throat> it's my first time being in our business building, and I walk in, and we're, you know, sitting down trying to learn everything, whatever. And we had to get into groups. And I could tell at first when I was in my group, the way we were talking, they weren't taking me very serious. They were on oh. some like, yeah, okay, right, right, right. Um, and because then, you're an athlete. Yeah. And they, you know, they think they have this like whole like subconscious belief like, oh, yeah, athlete, he's not going to get his, his job. He's not going to do his job. Or who, someone's going to have to pick up the slack for him. And for me, it's like we got, we ended up having that group. And I was literally following up with everybody. I was getting stuff done like way before they said we wanted to get done by I would double, triple check my work. I checked their workout too. And I wasn't like being bossy, but I was just being a, I was be holding people accountable in a way where it's like, oh, this dude really is trying. Like he really wants us to do good in this class. And I always had a, a good um, rapport with everybody else in my classroom. And the thing that stuck out to me was uh, when I had taken my next business class that next quarter, someone that had had a class with me that quarter before came up to me and said, hey, which I'd love to study with you because you're on your and that's wow. me meant the world because it was a regular student telling me that. And I said, the energy I'm putting out, they're receiving. So what I'm trying to get done and what I'm trying to communicate, I'm actually doing that through like my work and like how I carry myself. So that's what my whole mission was at the school too. How did it feel when you met with that first group mm -hmm. and they weren't taking you serious? I was like chipping my shoulder. You know, I can't stop someone from feeling the way they currently feel, but I can change that over time based on my actions. So that's just kind of how I went about it, man. And, I'm I'm just so blessed that I've been able to kind of do that and give people a different uh, outlook on student athletes at least too. And funny enough, too, I actually wrote a I was the honor student for um, my communication department. Uh, I was in a cohort of six people, so and me also being the only student athlete and the only black student athlete as well um, to write a, a honors a honors thesis paper um, for the for the department. So I did all that stuff, man. And how it was would great. How would you describe the experience of a black student athlete mm -hmm. on a predominantly white campus? Um, I think especially in a sport like mm -hmm. football, mm -hmm. which is probably the most football and basketball, the most stereotyped yeah. sport of all of them. It's funny. So I told you I wrote my honors thesis, right? Yeah. Guess what the topic was? It was on the experience of black student athletes <laughs> at predominantly white institutions. I asked yeah. you to send it to me. You never did. Oh, I didn't? Oh, my bad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, no, yeah, it was. And I talked to people from different sports, mostly the ones, especially, well, especially the ones like in like, like cross country or like uh, just sports that aren't really known to have like very many black student athletes. Yeah. In them. Um, and the one, the, the, the reoccurring theme was really just like this idea that you have to be like this, like, prime like this perfect person or else whatever you do is going to be perceived that's going to be how they perceive the whole group so it's like wow. in a classroom which is why half the time why i'm like scared to ask a question in the classroom or was is because i don't speak the way other people in my classroom speak mm -hmm. uh, my counterparts and um i don't you know 
I don't phrase it a certain way. If I ask a question, it's pretty direct, straightforward. It's like super basic English. But if everybody around me that asks questions that aren't black, they'll like have some crazy, use some like crazy wordsmithing like stuff. I'm like, what are you like? What are you saying right now? Yeah. And some other teacher knows what they're saying, probably because they got their PhD and stuff. But <laughs> but I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna ask a question. But that was like one of the first things I did is like, one, I'm gonna sit in the front of the classroom in every class I have. Two, I'm gonna be extremely proactive in the classroom myself. And I, if I have a question, even no matter how dumb I think it is, if I don't know it. I'm going to ask the teacher. That's what the teacher's there for. They want to help you get better. And that's how I was able to succeed in classes too. I didn't care if someone said, what kind of question is that? Because more than half the time, and it's happened on multiple occasions, students would come up to me after class saying, I was thinking the same thing. Thank you for yeah. asking that question. And it, and, and that's why I'm saying like, one thing about me is I'm like, I discovered and I told myself this, I'm not going to change who I am for nobody. I don't give a shit. I'm going wow. to, I don't need to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way, whatever. To be able to be successful, that's like what, you know, or the idea that that's what uh, defines success. Like, I'm going to create my own success. At, and, what, at yeah. what point did you verbalize that? I did. I kind of like put that into a sentence or two after I was able to stick to who I am, as a, a, be true, being true to myself um, and not trying to like kind of switch it up a little bit to kind of cater to the environments and see that I was still able to um, excel and, and, and succeed. So once that happened, I'm like, you know what? I'm doing just fine and I'm not listening to like what society says about, oh, make sure you do this, that, and whatever. Make sure you're talking like this. It's not about the major that defines your success. It's about you taking advantage of what you're doing. Like, what's your purpose behind being in art? What's your purpose behind being in African-American uh, studies or communication? My purpose was to get better at speaking so I can excel in my career because everybody needs to be able to speak. It don't matter how smart you are. If you can't speak or communicate what you're trying to say, you're not going nowhere because mm-hmm. speaking is powerful. And on top of that, too, I told you I had a speech problem. I want to be a motivational speaker. Like, it, it's funny enough, I'm over here scared to talk to people or scared to get up in front of people. But now I'm, like, just finding myself, like, I got in this position where I feel like I need to be telling people more and encouraging them because um, of my, you know, me being black, being young, um, you know, where I grew up from and also starting out where I started from, right? Um, just and being able to get success from that. I'm like, people need to hear this. They need to, like, see it from someone they can relate to as well. And so... I feel like I'm not doing my due diligence. I'm not doing what God called me to do if I don't do this. You mentioned that you want to change the narrative. I'm curious, like, what other narratives do you want to change? Honestly, it's not really about other narratives, but it's, like, in certain situations, it just brings me back to the idea of that, like, you have to have had this sort of background to excel. So Mm. I uh, interned at Amazon Web Services. I was a product marketer. Um... And I didn't know Jack nothing um, got in there. But I said, and I, I felt myself sort of being like, oh, I'm in this environment. It's like one of the best companies. I, I got to like uh, be like this. I'm like, and I, after my second day, I'm like, what am I doing, bro? Like you got to this because you were being who you were. Don't change it up now because you got in, in a different environment. So I went back to exactly who I was. Um, they had invited me to a, a weekly business meeting or whatever. And um, we had like our general manager in there, our VP in there. Um, like all the uh, higher ups in like our, on our team for our product marketing team. And uh, they were talking about, you know, like our thing called Deep Racer, which is basically a, a fully autonomous car that's meant to help uh, developers improve their machine learning capabilities. And so they're saying like, oh, you guys need to, you know, increase adoption and awareness for like consumers. Like you guys need to pick it up, get more people to kind of sign up for it. And they had said that after 15 minutes of saying stuff in acronyms that I had no idea what they meant. So I'm sitting there like, it's, everything's going over my head. But once they said that, I said, oh, I recognize that stuff. I know what that means. I said, 
not I wasn't thinking like I'm gonna just sit here and listen. I was thinking, what can I add to this meeting to add value? And then so I went on my computer, went to our Deep Racer website. First thing I saw, I was like, okay, looks okay. I see some Caucasian men, see some Indian men, some Asian men. I said, where are the women at? Uh, and in my head, I'm like, okay, they probably already talked about this. It's pretty obvious to me. It sticks out. It's pretty simple. It's like there's no women on this page at all. So I said, you know what? I might just bring it up, whatever. Just maybe they didn't talk about it. Who knows? And there's also like six women in there of like the 15, 20. Um, and so they said at the end, like, oh, so does anybody have any last comments or questions they want to say? And I'm like, my heart's beating fast, bro. My heart was beating. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Speaking up in the classroom is different, but I'm speaking in front of executives, VPs, GMs. I'm like, bro, don't get over, don't get it over your head. <laughs> and I was only entered in there too. And I was like, he said, all right. Are you, so last time, anybody have any questions? I'm like, you know what? My heart is beating so damn fast. I have to do this. I said, I got a question. I got something to say. He, they all just looked at me like, <laughs> like he was. <laughs> What this intern got to say. And I was like, you know, he talked about increase, increasing adoption and awareness. I just sort of went to the website page and I saw, you know, all these men. I, I saw no women on the page. Like, and I feel like there's already a stigma behind women being in STEM and in tech in general. And I feel like there's always going to be those women who want to be the standout and be like, I'm going to change that narrative. But to the general like population of women, if they don't see themselves, they're going to say, oh, that's not for me. I'm going to just do something else. They were just looking at me like, damn. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, that was so obvious to me. It shows, too, that people who grew up differently and people in different environments do not see the obvious. That's why you always need people from different backgrounds who have different perspectives. Um, and they told me, the GM, he said, he said, you know, that's a great idea. So, you know what we say about people who have ideas? You got to go execute it. So, my whole internship changed. So, that literally was working on partnering with uh, groups like um, uh, Girls Who Code, Black Girls uh, Who Code, and, like, uh, Women in Tech and stuff like that. And that... Look that, and that's why I say what my job it has to be. I it has to be impactful because once I saw I was able to make like I was doing something I actually cared about when I made a point. It didn't matter how much work I had to do. I was willing to do it because I saw the direct impact it would have. So I'm like, bump the money. I need to see the impact. So I'm I'm, I'm not gonna put my energy into something I don't actually care about. If I mm -hmm. care about it, I'll give everything I have. So what stands out to me about that story? You know your heart's racing. You take that first risk. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't swim unless you jump in. Mm -hmm. You take that first risk to say, where are these women at? But you don't just stop there. You could just easily ask that, pointed out a fault, and moved on. But you said, where are these women at? This is why that's a problem. Here's what the solution should look like. Here's some ideas to reach that solution. Yeah, in like a few minutes. With no, I mean, people would present stuff like that spend weeks planning it you know oh where are the tweaks at here and there and you just full sent it yeah. in a room of superiors as an intern yeah. so you're young and have no business being in the room to begin with let alone yeah. talking contributing that's why i wanted to record this podcast with you and that's what stood out to me when i met you mm. was right off the bat you're like this is the problem we gotta fix it yeah mm. and it's so incredible what made you stay not only through that next year stay not at UW but stay playing football because you could have just been a student or not gone to practice and continued having a scholarship in some sense but what made you continue being on the team because if you're on the team you still gotta I mean I know this but you still gotta show up to practice yep. you gotta still show up to live you gotta show up every day three times a day to your sport mm -hmm. and you played one down yep 
That's crazy, man. I mean, yeah, pretty, it's pretty. It's really similar to me, honestly. Like, I'm yeah. not. I've not been played that much yeah. in my sport. Yeah. Not as hyper competitive as football, but what's motivated you to keep showing up in your sport? Instead of looking at it as, and the thing is, that's crazy. My uh, senior season before I tore my ACL, um, that was the best I performed um, in like my, my last two years because I was doing pretty good my junior year. But the difference I noticed was I didn't expect anything just because I was doing good. Mm. And you can't expect something to happen. So you can't be like, okay, I'm waking up early, studying film, doing all this stuff, extra work, even though I'm tired, working hard, doing whatever, and be like, okay, I deserve for this to happen. That's not how life works. Mm. You do it, but you don't expect it may or may not happen, but it's the fact that it happened, that you did it and that's all that matters. And this is why I say everything comes full circle. It may not happen. The thing, the thing that you want may not happen there, but it'll come down later down the line and something you may not have even thought about. So people see this and just because I'm not doing the stereotypical thing where I'm balling out, got all these accolades, that does not mean I'm not a student athlete. That doesn't mean I don't have value or, I, I, or that I add value or don't add value. It's just... You, you can't listen, you can't look at things of what society has, what traditions are. If something hasn't happened, be the one that makes it happen. So, like, for me on my LinkedIn, my thing says, uh, my, my whole, like, headline is, like, um, dedicated to exceeding expectations and breaking barriers. So, if something hasn't happened, I'm going to go do it. If someone has this perceived expectation of what I can or can't do, I'm not only going to um, prove them wrong to that, but I'm going to do better than what they even thought I could do, right? So, that's just how I carry myself, and it all comes down to mindset, dude. So... What I love about that, man, you've transcended sport. You're more than an athlete. Yeah. Your identity, your self-worth doesn't come from sport anymore. That's what I love about Stack. That's what I love about athletes. Mm-hmm. You said coaches don't got it back. Athletes do. Yeah. For me, Pac-12 Stack, my sophomore year, met athletes for the first time in my life from different sports at different yeah. schools. Mm-hmm. And here's some All-Americans like supporting me, saying I got this and I, I have worth and value. That's what athletes can do for each other and the biggest shame to me is that athletes don't talk to each other enough from different sports on campus and from campus to campus that's the biggest problem to me man but i think that's a great place for us to end it thank you so much man this was phenomenal (laughs) no problem man you got you brody what's your linkedin my linkedin (laughs) (laughs) michael just look up michael neal and then type in like uw because there's too many michael neals on linkedin apparently yeah oddly enough Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Appreciate it.